Greetings, nerds. This is Seed and Nerd. I'm your host, Sarah Belmont, and with me, as always, is our Mr. Producer, Will Paul. How are you doing tonight, Will? Doing very well, Sarah. Happy uh, Avengers Endgame Eve. Yep, I just need this recording to end so that I can go get my ticket. All right, let's get to it. <laughs> so you can get your ticket, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, you add, like, three trailers of, to the discussion points, even though we have, like, three shows to break down. Okay. You're killing me, Will. I, well, we don't have to talk to trailers, but or we could just do, like, a couple, maybe, how about this, five minutes for all three. Okay. All right. I'm not timing, but I'm totally timing you. So see you yesterday is a upcoming Netflix film. Something about Netflix films that I really like is how they release the trailer and you only have to wait a month Mm -hmm. for the movie to drop. Definitely. Like that is so, I love that because, um, the, the mainstream movies, it just, I mean, we get like six months worth of teases and it just builds, but it also becomes annoying. <laughs> yeah, it, it builds or, yeah, and it builds and builds and either they will tell you the whole story in that trailer or, or it just, like you said, it gets annoying to the point where it's just like, all right, I, I, you've worn me out. I don't feel like I'm going to see this obligation now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Now, See You Yesterday is about um, some kids who travel back in time to change the death of a loved one. And and it's just the repeating that cycle again and again. And um, I don't know if they're going to solve the case. I don't know um, if they're going to learn a valuable lesson that Barry Allen never learns. But this, this movie goes off of... Um, a point that I think I brought up a few weeks ago. I also appreciate how films that I remember watching on TV or in the cinema are now finding a home in Netflix Mm -hmm. because this reminds me of a lot of films like I saw as a kid and um, it's, it's a very good trailer. I don't know. I think you and Veronica were more, more sold than I was. Um, and just because I feel like I've seen it before, I've seen a story like this before again and again. So, yeah, I think the, 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 the selling point for me is one, it's, we've seen this story before, definitely, but I think it's the topic of dealing with uh, police brutality. And I think it's just the topical nature of what's going on as far as the backstory with these kids, um, Mm -hmm kids of color and being very smart and creating a time machine. And so I think there's other, for me, it was other visceral um, reactions just to see this story where we've seen it before, but where there are people of color that are the protagonists. And so that was one of the things that really sold me on it. And, uh, and also it's a, uh, I guess Stefan, I can't remember his last name. I think he, he had based this off of a short film that he did before. So, uh, and, and Netflix picked it up and Spike Lee is also behind it as well. So it, it just, you know, when you look at the trailer, it just looks like it's going to be a very solid, solid film and, uh, one that may get a lot of buzz this year. 
Yeah, I, like I'm not saying you're wrong for yeah. liking it. I I figured. Well, I didn't think it such. Yeah. Yeah, I figured those points are exactly why you and Veronica like lit up my DMs <laughs> talking about the movie. Sarah, <laughs> it's just so Sarah, funny for <laughs> Sarah turned it to me as uh, like whenever you and Lindsay were talking uh, Game of Thrones last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just sometimes I feel like with our DMs, especially when we get the guest hosts involved, I walk into a conversation after I get off of work and I'm like. I don't even know where they started and I don't know why they're including me. Do they, I don't need to chime in, but it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's so I, said, I said it to the two of you both. I was like something uh, as more of a like, Hey, we got to talk about this that when it, when after it re- releases and then Veronica just took it to the next level. But yeah. 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 Oh, man. <laughs> Speaking of things to the next level, another trailer dropped this week. Um, Gemini Man featuring Will Smith, and it's an Ang Lee film. <sighs> yeah. I, I just, as I was saying things about obligation, I just felt obligated to put that on here because we try to be topical. The, okay, let me say this. The first time I watched the trailer, I was just like, okay, it's Will Smith acting as Will Smith. And, and, and it's Will Smith going up against computer generated younger Will Smith. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Premise seems I... interesting. Yeah, but the second time I watched it, I I actually got past my love-hate relationship with Will, Will Smith and it, it seems like a very we've seen this premise before. Mm-hmm. Um as well with uh it, basically the story here is that aging hitman is being targeted by his cloned younger self. And so um, it, it was very, visually it was very well done. But so, so I, I'm going to try to keep an open mind about it. Uh, see, I disagree with the visuals. It reminds me of a 90s action film. Yeah. Like, from the point of whoever Clive Owen's character is, as soon as he made appearance, I was like, oh, my God, this is just this is nostalgia in the bad way. The premise is cool. The fact that they they're doing this spin on the use of Gemini and what that um, sign means it is very good. And I like all of that. It's weird. I I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just being optimistic, but I actually really cringed at a lot of the visuals. I don't, I don't know why. I also couldn't really tell a difference between the young Will Smith and the old one. I thought they both looked old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, you know, it's like Will, Will Smith and Paul Rudd, they, you know, they've made the deal with the, you know, Fountain of Youth, but I, the first time I watched the trailer, I couldn't tell, but the second time I watched it, I watched it again today when I was putting together, putting this in the show notes uh, for tonight. And again, I think that was where I, I, I got over my love hate relationship with Will Smith and, and I, I might go see this. I might go see this. And the final trailer that got dropped was for Swamp Thing, just a tease, at least the one that I saw. And I think it's more interesting, not that they dropped the trailer, but that they closed production. Yeah, yeah it's just damage control. Um, and, you know, and we could spend a, a lot of time, but I, but I won't, on all the 
crazy the theories that just happened after um word got out that they were shutting down production it looks like it was more creative differences but i know a lot of people are concerned about the dc app and what does that mean for the larger streaming service but uh but that's a conversation for another day but the Swamp Thing trailer, one thing it made it clear, this is a, going to be a very gritty show, and, very, and it looks like a uh, horror-themed uh, show, and um, it, it it might be a good thing that production was cut short. It gives them, you know, an opportunity to have a very tight story and, and not fall into the, the filler trap. And uh, it premieres May 31st, so people can let us know what they think about the trailer. Um, or if they do watch the show, let us know if we should, uh, if you would like for us to to recap it. Yeah, definitely. I, I second that because um, sometimes I can't take Will's word for these things. <laughs> I have to take other people's words. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we are not talking Cloak and Dagger, even though they had a really good episode. I don't even, oh, I do remember what happened. Doom Patrol was painful this week, um, for me at least. Um, But we are going back to the Arrowverse. And I don't know about you, Will, but this actually felt like work to me. (laughs) Um, I actually had a different feel this week. I, I actually enjoyed all three episodes. Well, because you're a DC fanboy, it does not surprise me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alright, let's, let's start with Supergirl. Um, she's public enemy number one. The president has taken over. We have a director, Lockwood, who's entering the DEO now and, um, kind of going back going to bat with Alex and and you know this is kind of just Lex didn't really appear in this episode but he still is pulling a lot of strings and that's about it well they're <laughs> they were returning from hiatus and and at least this episode was one that for a show that was coming back from hiatus it did a good job of resetting the story and also unlike the other shows where it was just sort of like huh Mm -hmm. i felt like this episode was really moving things forward yes it it reminded us of what happened prior to the hiatus which is red supergirl for yeah yeah well red supergirl works for me yeah very simple yeah uh but basically had this you know, massive assault on the White House and uh, the president declares Republican at number one. It sets up the, the balance of the rest of the season very well. And the things that I think stood out for me in this episode was um, Colonel, Colonel Haley mm-hmm. and her family, you know, it, began to, to question her orders and question why she's doing things. And it was a very, I think the way they did it was a very solid and, or, or, and a very organic way of showing that the, that her actions have had consequences. And it actually ended up being very personal consequences in that her, te- her, her daughter's teacher was 
missing from class because they have gone underground because of all the actions that Lockwood and Lex and the DEO has been and the president has been doing as far as with re- repealing the Alien Amnesty Act, and it, it it was a good moral um moral dimension and ethical dimension that, uh, that she was having to explore as far as like okay I you know here is the consequences of my actions and because I was just too busy following orders and. When these underlying orders were probably immoral, now I'm having to deal with the consequences of them at home. And so when Alex and uh, Lockwood attempts to, you know, come into the DO and, and, and try to, you know, have the Supergirl killing busting weapons and all that kind of stuff, it, it it was good that okay, she's pivoting now to see what this what this actually means and how this her her actions have impacted others yeah uh, the the alex stuff works i um (laughs) i don't know why i'm struggling right now um because i understand what you were what you were talking about and i'm just trying to figure out what i want my point to be (laughs) i'm sorry i'm it's okay. I mean, we've, we've gone from human trafficking and very deep stuff with Cloak and Dagger back to, back to. I just, I mean, I knew she was going to hit the button twice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was that shocking of a revelation. The, the thing that I, I thought really did work in that moment was the actress's performance of realizing that for Alex, it's really simple to see that moral obligation and and know what the right thing is to do. But for Colonel Healy, like you felt like they're like her whole perspective has changed, and and that 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 hurt her really bad um, from um, because it's just is so altering to suddenly go against the code that you've lived your entire life on. Yeah. It, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's what really stuck out to me in terms of watching these Arrowverse shows. They're running around in their super suits. They're making foolish decisions and it's just bad guy of the week type deal, which, um, Taking a break and watching shows like Cloak and Dagger and Doom Patrol, I kind of was like, "Ooh, this is jar- jarring." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is like it's. Uh, I, I remember reading something that this is. You know, these shows are like middle brow, and mm-hmm. and 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 I guess there are some levels to the genre, and I I, I, I get why you're struggling, but to me. What's strong about Supergirl this season is, whereas I feel Flash and Arrow are just basically mirrors of each other. It's just yeah. plug in, you know, plug in different name, family member, etc. I feel that Supergirl has really stood out this season because it is trying. It's telling an original story as far as this universe, and 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 I don't feel like when I'm watching it, I could easily just plug in. Barry for Oliver, etc. It's really, and we've touched on this earlier in the year, and it's and it's carried through out overall really well. 
in that it's, it's and I know for some viewers it works and for some viewers it doesn't, but it's actually, I think taking real world issues, things from the headlines and plugging them into this Earth 38 construct is, gives the show a little bit more of a heft to me this season than some of the things that we've seen in the other shows in the Arrowverse. And so that's why I don't feel, I didn't feel like work watching this. I was actually pretty engaged with some of the things that were going on in, in this episode. Right. I, I, I agree that Supergirl is probably the strongest show out of the three right now. I think why this particular episode was hard for me is because it's very expositional based. They're doing a lot of setup. They're, they're making sure all of the pieces are in place because we're getting down to the final episodes. We're getting down to the closure and the epilogue. So, and, and for me, I, and I, and I think because I figured out that that's what this episode was about, I was just like, okay, I know what's going to happen. Send me next week's episode because I'm ready for it. I've been ready for it. And, and that's really where I struggled with because even I think the stuff they're doing with James is a missed opportunity personally mm-hmm. because I, I really liked the idea that he was going to struggle with PTSD. Um, following the shooting because that's something I wouldn't have expected. Right. Yet now they're doing the whole power twist on it. And I'm kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know if I like this. I don't know. I mean, he's guardian. He's supposed to be the human. You, these shows, especially Flash and Supergirl require a human character be a hero. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's just about, I, it was too expositional based and I just really wanted to get to next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a fair point about the exposition. Uh, it, I don't think it took away from it for me. I, and I, I agree with you about James's journey right now. Uh, it was a missed opportunity when they started, when he started having the black veins and the, the, the you know, the injections that Lena had put into him to help him recover from, from the gunshot. Uh, but, but I guess in its own way, it was just their way of, of showing the trauma from, from the, from the, the assault. And, and, I'll, but, but also, uh, you know, thinking back to some of the episodes that led up to him going to agreeing with the sister to go to counseling, he was very resistant. And, mm-hmm. and so it was, it was good that they, had him be resistant because, you know, many times people are when they, whenever they are dealing with stuff, are resistant to going to get help, and and so it was a very human reaction to be like, I, I got this, but then he realized that no, I don't. So I, I you know, so I think it was good that they they showed it's okay for even for someone like Guardian who is, as you said, the Norm, the, the the normal human in the show mm-hmm. uh, to 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 go through these levels of of first uh, denial and then finally acceptance that I do need help to get through this situation uh, something that Kara quite frankly could use. <laughs> 
Kyra just needs a perspective adjustment. She she really doesn't understand <laughs> things. She like I I appreciate the elements where they were talking about how Supergirl is above the law, bull bull in a china shop, and and maybe that's something also that's going to be on my nerve because we've been saying that since the very beginning of the season that. Yep. Kara needs to come back down to reality and realize there are consequences. And that's why the Ben Lockwood character works so well mm-hmm. is because, yes, he is the big bad. But when you think about what he's saying, why he why he did go down that that path, it makes complete logical sense considering what happened to his family. All consequences of having aliens on on the Earth. And, and so it just, it just makes sense. And I, and I like how she, she tried to approach it from a Supergirl perspective to get information about Lex, but that didn't work. And what really did work was Kara being a journalist. Now I have my degree in journalism, so maybe this is just pushing buttons too, (laughs) but I really need them to like, you know, squash the whole, the pen is mightier than the sword. I don't think it really works that way. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I honestly don't because I I know that there's a lot of bias when you write anything you write. And and that's really what I need her to start doing. Like she needs to understand her privilege and understand that she has a significant bias to any story she writes about aliens. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a very good point that I uh, that you know expands upon some of the things that we talked about with this with the season's um, problems with Supergirl, um, the person, not the, and Kara not not getting that through to Supergirl whenever she is out solving you know saving the day. Um, so, but, you know, but James also, also was for championing that the pen is minor than the sword message. And, um, so that, you know, I think again, they are, they, they have tried to show how utilizing the journalism, telling these people stories, telling the alien stories, trying to understand what the general populace these people have, you know, these these individuals have lives and are are integrated in our society, in, in our, their society. Um, so, I, you know, I think they've touched on some of those, and it was good to, for me, it was good to see them flip it to realize for 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 Kara to at least put the journalism mode on and and was more effective in, in getting information about Lex. And having that inmate, you know, open up to her, uh, because mm-hmm. he's read her stuff. And, uh, even though there may be a bias in her writing towards, you know, uh, one perspective, um, it, it, those stories still need to be told. And, and, and right. And, and I think part, I mean, remember one of Ben Lockwood's points was there's nothing about how, there's no insurance for when an alien decides to use your house as a battleground. 
there like people are losing jobs and the effects on on that other side and i think that's part of the problem that they're trying to escalate this conversation to is that it's they're not saying that alien stories don't need to be told but what about the stories of the humans like just because aliens are around doesn't mean humans suddenly don't exist either yeah Good point, good point. And, and Kara's privilege also comes from she can go back and forth. Yeah. Not all aliens can do that. True, true. Kara so, privilege. <laughs> and, and, and she doesn't, she hasn't written a story about that. Like, oh, like, that's a good point, yeah. So, so I, I just, I, and, and that's where I second guess her, that, that I really still see there's there's only certain stories being told and and that's not equal opportunity. That's a good point. That's a, that's a very good point. But then again, they deputize the Children of Liberty, which, by the way, people was with all the deputization. <laughs> like Jesus, you wear yeah. masks, deputy, deputy, <laughs> deputy. Deputy. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of deputies, do we want to head over to Star City? Yeah, let's head over to Earth One and check out Star City. Let me just get my soapbox. Okay. <laughs> I am so tired of Arrow right now because this is not Arrow. This is really not Arrow anymore. We have entered a backdoor pilot for Black Star that will last the next few episodes of this season and the final ten. Like, this is driving me crazy. I, I really wish they hadn't gone through the flash forward route because ever since the flash forward started to click in, I have every week liked the show less and less and less because it's just, we, we, we know what's going to happen and I, it's going to take us 12 episodes that are meaningless to get there. And I'm just, I'm really annoyed. <laughs> I, I I feel your pain, my friend. I feel your pain. Um, for someone who is not as invested in Arrow as you have been from day one, uh, I, I get where you I get what you're saying. I, I see the potentials for a backdoor pilot, but I don't know. I, I guess. At some point, maybe in 2020 or 2021, they would drop this show. Because uh, right now the CW slate's pretty pretty full, uh, especially when they got to uh, have to slate in Batwoman, uh, unless they cancel The Flash or Legends or somebody else. So, which is possible. Uh, I guess we'll learn more in the upfronts. But getting back in universe, uh, this episode I actually liked it because explored Diggle and yes it took seven years for yeah for you want to get. explore Diggle <laughs> you said that really weird yeah <laughs> I know that came out weird I'm sorry uh, <laughs> his backstory I guess but which we really have I mean we've heard various things but we actually uh, learned a lot more about his father and and um, his stepfather and so it was, you know, after, you know, we, we, we kind of joked a little bit last week, um, during our, our, one of our recordings about the, the missed opportunities with the, the birds of prey episode. Um, this one, I, I 
and maybe it was just because it was just what I thought was this very good acting between uh, Ernie Hudson and and, and David Ramsey, but I, I really enjoyed the episode. I mean, Diggle hasn't had an episode in a while, so I'm glad he he gets an episode. And his stuff with his stepdad was was pretty decent. It's all the flash forward stuff that is driving me crazy because I, I, I'm sorry, Will. There, it's not that there's a potential. It's that this is now becoming Black Star. Like there's just Oliver Queen is so insignificant in everything he does right now because we know he's going to die. So <laughs> <laughs> like the Flash. Yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not like a lot of the Flash fans right now who uh, feel that uh, you know Barry has basically become second fiddle in his own show. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll get there. But this is just, I think, significantly worse because we know the last season is next season and we're being told what happens 20 years from now or 25 years from now. And it's just it doesn't look like it's going to end well for Oliver Queen or Felicity Smoke. And it's just bothering me. But speaking about John Diggle, uh, we learn about how there there is a death stroke gang mm-hmm. in tor- territory mm-hmm. and jj john jr is leader of said gang um and so again we have to blame barry because yep. sarah diggle would never go against her father's with wishes so damn it barry <laughs> i always blame barry uh it's easy to but in this and this it could it could have ended up with Sarah possibly leading the black, you know, Deathstroke gang. Nope, 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 nope. Not in this future. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know anymore. (laughs) So, so there's that. Got a lot of Felicity Smoke about it, but I swear they killed off Felicity Smoke a long time ago because I don't, I'm really not recognizing this character anymore. Um, and, Amico kills Dante and, you know, I think the biggest mistake they made this season is really doing this whole Amico Ninth, ninth Circle storyline because this, this season, those first 10 episodes were solid. Yeah. Like some of the best arrow writing ever. I don't know if they got a new writing team all of a sudden. I don't know if people just got lazy. But this is just not good storytelling anymore because I'm so checked out. All the stakes are gone. I don't know why I'm watching this other than you want to talk about now. <laughs> <laughs> no, now I'm just getting ranty. But yeah, so so tell me, Will, what what else did I miss about this? Um. Uh, well, there's there's the obvious uh, type callback to. Uh, to Elseworlds with uh, Earth Ninety Barry calling Diggle, you know, "Where's your ring, John?" Uh, so uh, there's that. But uh, as far as fun little fun little facts, Easter eggs from uh, this season. But I, I I would agree with you that I feel that uh, the sec 
Seven B has meandered quite a bit, and the flash forwards can work if I felt like the flash forwards this episode worked okay as as long as they're they're very tight and there's only they're like this episode they only focused on Mia and and Connor, so it's it was good in that regard that it was a very tight focused with the, the, the Deathstroke gang and and that kind of thing. Um, but you're, you're right about Felicity. I, I, there were points during this episode that I was actually kind of annoyed with her with her, um, and and it, it was just I understand what they're trying to do, and especially you know I wonder. Let me put it to it this way. I wonder if she had not, if Emily Beth had not made her announcement about leaving the show, would we still be seeing the obvious story arc here that is basically putting her on a shelf so she could have Mia and go into hiding for, you know, for those years uh, because again like because of noise the out of universe stuff when you're watching the show now it just feels like everything is just being written to just tie up those loose ends and so it yeah so it it, it, it has taken a lot of the juice out of the out of the out of the season Right, right. And and I think ex- that's exactly what they're doing. Amiko's going to do something, um, or the Ninth Circle is where Oliver and Felicity realize how much danger they are putting their child in, having having her still be around. I mean, there there's a reason why they're not telling anybody. I mean, granted, you're not supposed to until, like, what, the second trimester, but there's going to be a reality check. And and all of the stuff with Elena, I'm just like, yeah, saw that coming. Yeah, Yeah. I figured. It's just stupid mistakes. Stupid mistakes of, like, you guys haven't been on this show for seven years. Don't you know how this works? You're going to get betrayed. (laughs) Yeah. 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 yeah, and I, I wish they had kept Dante around because I I don't feel Amico at this point is Dante was just a more interesting at least how he got set up in Seven A was seemed to be a more intriguing villain than than Amico. I mean she she's she's and and granted we still have a few episodes left so maybe. I'll be proven wrong here. Physically, she can do the job, but I just don't feel the motive. I, I guess I'm not being sold on the motivations of wanting to take over the, the, the nice circle and and her killing Dante after she found out about what happened. It just seemed very like forced and very again. Play by the numbers, paint by the numbers, and so it, again, it was just a, good, a missed opportunity with with with, with a, a very interesting villain, and and, and a, 
that they they could have kept him around for a little bit longer. I I, I agree. I mean, I understand why they they did the swap out. Um, Dante did get a big build up only to be wasted um, and be this like bridge between Ricardo and Amico. And with Amico, what they really want to do is recenter the show around Oliver because she is his half sister. And because this show started with him wanting to get not only get redemption for himself, but for his father, for his city and and because of what his father did to her, it it like that burden is um, being lifted again, even though it's not his fault, um, and he's just playing a martyr. So so I understand what they're going for. It's just not working because you know arrow versus arrow, we've seen it. It's called season one, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. and it just you know. It, it, we're just losing momentum because we already see the finish line. Yeah. And in a show, you don't want to know what that finish line. I mean, I mean, it went downhill the moment we saw, even though it was the best crossover we've ever had. It's, it's great. Looking back on it, I wish that crossover never would have happened because I don't know if if what we're seeing now on this show or Flash um, would be happening. True, true. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I can't argue with that. Um, I st- you know I still hold out hope that we're all wrong and somehow Oliver does survive the crisis. But um, but if the if the flash forwards are the future, and I think Beth has said that they are indeed the future, then. Yeah, um, yeah, we, we, we know the finish line and, um, it's, they've got a, hopefully the, the remaining episodes of this season ends strong and we get set up for more than just a backdoor pilot for our future Black Star episode. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully. I mean, I, I'm glad you're optimistic. Um, I'm kind of just optimistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, speaking about the finish line, let's talk about Flash season five. Yep. We haven't talked about Flash in a while. It feels like I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's weird. Um, I would like to dub this episode Deja Vu. <laughs> um, we we got a lot of characters doing some things, um, and I got a lot of complaints, and I'm not really sure where to start. So I'm just <laughs> gonna throw this out here. Um, we we've always commented on it. Um, when are they gonna do something different? And I mean truly different with Harry or HR or Sherlock, whatever you want to call this character that Tom Cavanaugh plays, um, because he spent the entire episode doing what everyone who came before him does, where they figure, hey, I've completed my mission, and so I'm going to leave. But now I realize that the Flash is my family. We've seen that at least three times. Yes, we have. <laughs> <laughs> it, it bothered me so much. But what really bothered me was 
at no point in this episode did anybody ask themselves, what does Vaughn want with with um, Nora? Like, I understand there's a conversation at the end where Iris is like, no, he cares for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's still a villain. He yep. still has a plan. He's literally looking at the minutes ticking away of his life. You yep. really don't think he's trying to use her for something? Oh, it's just his next way of getting a berry. I mean, what better thing to do is to, like, rip out your your arch enemy's heart by having his daughter betray him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 the be- something Barry also didn't say is that is that okay? Yeah, maybe you don't care that he killed my mom, but he also trained me, manipulated me, manipulated Team Flash to um, during that first season arc. It was pure manipulation for selfish values. That's really what Nora Nora got herself into right now. Is yeah. He's seeing his daughter make his same exact mistakes, trusting the wrong person, yep. getting the wrong advice or the right advice, but from the wrong person. Beautiful. You, you dropped the mic. <sighs> However, the mic. Yeah. I, I, I mean, the acting between both Candace and Grant during that first scene was perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. That that definitely was one of the probably the, some of the most realistic <laughs> uh, relationship scenes between them, and, and and it touched on. I mean, they were like throwing haymakers at each other, verbal haymakers. Uh, I mean, flashpoint, uh, you name it. And Iris and Barry, the West Island is hold up held up as the gold standard. Well, <laughs> even the gold standard has. Uh, has has their moments and that was that acting and that scene was very intense and i felt set the right tone for the episode as far as just the gravity and really getting to one of as you mentioned said before deja vu uh barry's problems Um, yeah and and iris is absolutely right he he does not account for her feelings her perspective he makes snap judgments and he because he is so convinced he's right yep he yep and and after five years we we think we he would have grown and learned from that but he still falls into that same mistake we thought that after flashpoint he wouldn't do it again he did and and iris was so right i mean after all the counseling and everything like that at the end of the day barry allen has a blind spot, and that blind spot is his his ego. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of blind spots, um, there's another glaring flaw that both of them, not just Barry, is making, but actually, to a degree, Iris made big time this episode. At what point did they all decide that it was okay for Nora to remain in 2019 indefinitely? Yeah. Well, exactly. (laughs) Was there ever a discussion held in that family of like, hey, you're from the future. You technically don't belong nor should be here. But we we recognize that you are our daughter. So we're going to we're going to help you. Um, 
she can go home at any time, guys. Yeah. And and can take her home at any time. Yeah. Right. Right. And so this whole time, Iris is like, she doesn't belong there. And I'm like, technically, she does. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, I understand you didn't get your goodbye, but you you also just can't take her back. I mean, I mean, what? uh, Didn't we learn anything from season four (laughs) or season three? Season two. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, the timeline is malleable, so I mean, I guess, but I mean, that that's been one of the flaws of this season, which is, and and it flies into face of all the things they built up about not messing with the timeline and and is is keeping someone from the future in the pa- willingly in the past where they could alter future events, which it, which it looks like. It, it it very well has happened and and will happen. Uh, for for with the obvious one being Cicada. See, this is something else that really threw me. And where I'm seeing some of the weaknesses of these shows, and I say these shows because they all commit these crimes. The Cicada stuff completely forgot about for me until she reappeared. And I'm like, oh, so so this is a Cicada-based episode. No, 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 it's a Caitlyn-based episode. No, 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 it's Nora. So so suddenly, as a viewer, you're watching a, a season-long show knowing there's all of these different plot threads. Yet in one episode, they try to cram in th- three of them, very critical plot threads, thinking they're just going to give some information and and other parts are going to have more screen time, but it just, it doesn't work well because it feels shoehorned in. It doesn't feel organic. It feels like, Hey, we need things to do with these characters. So we're just going to bring back Cicada. We're just going to bring back ice cold man, which is the biggest joke of all time because that costume is horrendous. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Um and and oh, Cisco, we're just going to like did I hear right? Is he on another earth for some reason? I don't get it. Yeah, he he was on another earth this episode because we had we had to bring in Ralph so to go with Iris to 2049. So we'll just send Cisco to another earth yeah, this week. Yeah. So Basically you know, what happened? Yeah, you know, just just send another person to send Barry to another Earth next week for all I care because, and and this is where we we were talking last week, Tyrone and Tandy. You got two central characters, but but who are on their separate paths, but they're able to organically intertwine those two paths, one central story thread to tug them both forward and along. And and that's what these writers are not doing in these shows. They're not being truly masterful about how they interconnect these things. It's much more we need to fill time, space, and 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 really just screen time. And and sometimes we can't do it. So we this is a fluff episode. It's just it's kind of that that episode that nobody's gonna look back and be like, remember when? No, 
No. Well, yeah. But I'm just being mean at this maybe, point. <laughs> maybe just a little bit, but no. But I, I get your. But you do have a. It's a very fair point that uh, sometimes it's okay. It's if you're going to do an A B story, don't throw in a C because it, it was very forced to have Cicada just show up right at the moment where we are. Um, where Miss Doctor Doctor Tannhauser is stuck in the ice box that with the icicle and you know that was there was just a lot going on there in that moment uh, with Caitlin's family and then you throw oh was like, oh yeah by the way don't forget we still have Cicada um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I was just like no I mean that's no, where no because I did forget and I don't care yeah yeah I was because actually as I was watching the episode I. I was the the moments between Thawne and Nora and Iris were just were just so good and so powerful and I was just I, I really I really I was just even thought you know they should have the story of this season was not forcing this cicada this weak villain cicada as that they could have dispatched weeks ago the 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 true story that they missed out on was how Thawne had manipulated Nora and the, and yes, it, it does ring the parallels between this and the first season. And I even commented with someone on Twitter. I think one of the reasons why Godspeed was worked for a lot of people last week was it, it was all those, you got those vibes from season one with all the callbacks that they did. And, and even with this episode this week, I just felt that Ah, I wish they had like had Nora embrace the negative speed force, which you know, hat tip to the comic book. That's something that uh, uh, has been in the introduced recently in the Flash Mythos with Fawn. That's what they. I wish they had focused more on that this season because there were just so many ways they could have gone there um, and had this play out instead of just a very hurried finish to to. to to the season, and we saw that happen last season with season four with DeVoe, is we had all these filler episode, you know, episodes in the middle of the season that just meandered on and on and on, and just felt like it was just like unremarkable villain after the next, just so that we can get to the Enlightenment. And then once we finally did bring original DeVoe back, the villain had lost all his fangs. Mm-hmm. And so... I really, if I had the CW sat me down and said, what's the one thing we can do to improve the Arrowverse shows, what would it be? And my my suggestion to them would be to cut it to 15 episodes. Um, I would go for 13. Or 13. Somewhere, but yeah, 13 to 15 episodes. Have a nice, solid, tight season where you don't have all these where you lose momentum for various reasons, either scheduling where or filler episodes or you do. And it, it just waters down, it, it waters down the product. And I'm hopeful that the other thing is I would hope that, but it won't happen with Flash and Arrow because Arrow is ending, but these shows don't have to mirror mirror one another. They can have their own standalone arcs and things so that I don't feel like 
just plug in one character in with another. I know I said that earlier tonight, but you know, that was the other thing that was really stuck with me with, with this season. But I mean, I, I did enjoy this episode. I, I really did. And it was, has some very solid moments, uh, especially with, like you said, with the, with Barry and Iris, uh, the fan service as far as Thawne's new powers, uh, or, or explaining how, um, he can manipulate, he created the negative speed force. So that's why, you know, it makes sense now why Barry couldn't fill any shifts and why he couldn't find Thawne. Yeah. So, so, um, I think that's an unflash, um, because I got to a very mean, dark, snarky place. So I'm going to leave it on more of an uplifting note. Um, I encourage listeners to go and check out the new CW show in the dark. It is about a blind girl in New York city 25. So it's not about how like, Oh, she suddenly becomes blind. No, she's been blind for a while. Um, she has a lot of issues and I've started watching it and I like it. I, I so far, I like the mystery that they've, um, they've set up. They are not, they, they, they don't shy away from the true hardships that people without their sight probably face on a daily basis. Um, and that you get to quote unquote see that through the perspective of a woman who's like 25. So, and, and there's some gang, but gang stuff involved and there's just some self-hatred stuff. So, um, I would encourage people who want something different to go and check out that show. Cool. Good recommendation. I've, I've been meaning to ask you, so. Yeah. But, yeah. I, I don't know if it's up your alley. Well, no, 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 I didn't think it would be, but uh, I was just wondering how you, how you've been enjoying it. So, but I like it. I, I'm, I'm sure like. Tasha would like it. Um, Polly probably. Carrie, uh, Veronica, um, anybody who likes good girls, which is suddenly becoming so much more, um, dominant on my Twitter feed, which is hilarious, but I really do want to go see, get my Avengers tickets. So I'm going to wrap it up on that note. Will, why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes, you can find me at Will M. Polk. That's W-I-L-L-M-P-O-L-K. Enjoy in, in, in game. And you can find me at S.J. Belmont, S-J-B-E-L-M-O-N-T. Please follow our crew on Twitter at Scene and Nerd. Friend us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. But most importantly, rate, subscribe, and comment on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Spotify. Good night, geek out. You're welcome. <laughs>